a true crime story and we drink. The following content may be disturbing to some. Discretion is advised. If you choose to enjoy one of our themed margaritas, please ensure that you are of legal drinking age and have fun but drink responsibly. Y'all, today's story is just so tragic and wild. There was no way I could not tell it. How many times have you said to someone, yeah, well, wait till I win the lottery, or yeah, I could do that if I won the lottery. I, for one, say both of those phrases a ridiculous amount of times considering the fact that I don't even play the lottery. And I think truthfully that almost all of my problems could be solved if I had a big old stack of cash. I know they say that money is the root of all evil, but I think I'd certainly be a little bit less stressed if I had a few less bills to pay. On the other hand, Abraham Shakespeare, a millionaire and lottery winner, would say that winning the lottery was the worst thing that had ever happened to him. And his quick pick ticket with the numbers 6, 12, 13, 34, 42, and 52 would be the best and worst thing to ever happen to Abraham Shakespeare. Today's drink is an homage to the fields that Abraham worked in as a teenager and also as the best known fruit in Florida, the orange. We'll start with one part orange soda for a little bit of carbonation and a punch. Next up, we'll do two parts orange juice because obviously it can be as fresh squeezed and bougie as you want or you can just buy it like I do. To that, one part triple sec. And I know I've said it before, but triple sec is an orange liqueur, so we have three different orange flavors going on in this margarita today. And for our traditional margarita elements, two parts tequila. And of course, it's not a margarita without lime juice. So one part lime juice. We will shake to both combine and chill our ingredients. We will then strain, bougie people strain, we know this, we know this, over fresh ice in a salt-rimmed glass. If you're feeling extra bougie, you could put an orange slice on the rim, but uh, I don't have one, so we're gonna go with this. I have another book to recommend. It's called Unlucky Numbers, The Murder of Lottery Winner Abraham Shakespeare. And it's by Greg Todd Mathis and it was written by Gregory Todd Smith and Deborah Mathis. Greg Smith, we'll learn later, is a character in our story. So it's nice to read again a firsthand account of a situation. So it's nice to read a book with someone who's connected to the case in a firsthand way. It's also a quick read, so I definitely recommend it for any true crime fans, which, uh, I guess you all are because you're here. I'll be sure to link it in the description box below. I'm going to be doing a giveaway at the end of this season, which by the way, is at the end of this year, but I happen to read this book in an ebook version, so it won't be included. So you better get to that link pretty quick. Abraham Shakespeare was born on April 24th, 1966, in the small Florida town of Sebring. Abraham was the youngest of four children born to Elizabeth Walker. Elizabeth worked for many years in school cafeterias. 
Abraham was kind-hearted, even from childhood, and his mother said that he could brighten anyone's day. As a child, he loved to eat sugar smack cereal. If I had to wager a guess, Abraham had several undiagnosed learning disabilities, and this made school a pretty unsuccessful place for him. Even as an adult, Abraham could barely read or write, and his functional illiteracy would become a central part of the mayhem that was to come. He dropped out of school in the seventh grade and went to work with his father, James, in the Florida Citrus Groves. He was sent to a state-run juvenile detention facility for five years for stealing, and he was released when he turned 18. Suffice it to say, Abraham did not have the easiest time when he was growing up. On November 15th, 2006, Abraham was 41 years old. He had $5 in his pocket and he made $8 an hour. He had lived with his father until his father's death in 2005 and then had moved in with his mother. They lived on East Lowell Street in Lakeland, Florida. He had no car, no driver's license, and no credit card. Abraham was well known in the neighborhood spending lots of time in the local bars and clubs, and also in the local barbershop owned by Greg Smith. His friends called him Shaky Boy. Abraham had an eight-year-old son named Moses. He was an attentive and loving father. He never let more than a week go by without calling at least, and usually he saw Moses three or four times a week. Abraham was a day laborer, washing dishes, unloading trucks, or working as a garbage man. On November 15th, he had a job riding shotgun with a truck driver named Michael Ford. His job was literally to keep Michael company and awake on his overnight truck gigs. They stopped at the Town Star Mini Mart in Frostproof, Florida. Michael asked if Abraham wanted anything, and Abraham said he'd take two quick pick lotto tickets. When Michael got back to the car, Abraham handed him cash in exchange for the tickets. One of these tickets had the winning lottery numbers. The jackpot was $31 million. As required by Florida state law, Abraham had to claim the money publicly and in person. You can see Abraham with his mother, his sister, and his girlfriend holding the standard cliche giant check. Most people know that with the lottery, you can either take the payment in a lump sum or you can take annuity payments. Abraham chose the lump sum and after taxes, he brought home about $17 million. After taxes, that amounted apparently to about $11 million or just over $11 million. Overnight, Abraham Shakespeare's dream had come true, or so he thought. In January of 2007, Abraham moved out of the working class neighborhood that he'd been living in and into a gated community. He bought a house valued at $1.1 million. He paid his back child support and set up a $1 million trust for Moses. He bought himself a Nissan Ultima, and then he bought a Rolex watch from a pawn shop. He offered to buy a house for his mother, but she turned him down. In April of 2007, Michael Ford brought a lawsuit against Abraham, alleging that Abraham had stolen the winning lottery ticket from him. In October of 2007, after just about an hour of jury deliberations, they determined that Abraham was the rightful owner of the lottery ticket and he was able to keep his winnings. But other than those few things that he bought for himself, mostly what Abraham did with his money was give it away. Abraham gave away a lot of money, both as gifts and as loans, to friends, family, and relative strangers. 
Abraham grew increasingly frustrated with people who were constantly asking him for money. He told a childhood friend, quote, I thought all these people were my friends, but then I realized all they want is just money, end quote. And he told his brother he'd been better off broke. How right he was. It's into this story that we introduce Doris Moore, otherwise known as Dee Dee. Dee Dee was born in Riverview, Florida, but mostly grew up in Plant City. Her childhood was relatively normal, at least according to her mom. She was a Girl Scout, she was a cheerleader, and when she was in high school, she joined the ROTC. She attended church every Wednesday and Sunday. According to many, she had a bubbly personality and most saw her as outgoing. When she was in high school, however, it became apparent that she wanted a more lavish lifestyle than the one her parents could afford to give her. She was embarrassed by her family car and wanted fancy clothes, jewelry, things that her parents just couldn't afford. After high school, she studied to become a CNA and her patients saw her as generous and kind. Dee Dee married at age 19 and had a son whom she named RJ in 1988. In 1995, Dee Dee, who was driving a Hummer, was in a head-on collision with a Pontiac Sunfire. Both people in the Sunfire died, and Dee Dee was hospitalized shortly, but she recovered fully from her injuries that were all non-life-threatening. Dee Dee engaged in a series of side hustles, some above board, most not. She was charged with shoplifting in 1999. She had at least one situation of possible embezzlement with a company that she was working for. And she was arrested at least once for writing a bad check. And there was a very odd incident where she faked her own kidnapping, rape, and carjacking in order to keep a car that she had fallen behind on payments with. Yeah, she even told the loan officer that she would do anything to keep that Lincoln Navigator. She even taped her own wrists and threw herself out of a friend's car to make things seem more realistic. For this incident, as well as all of the other criminal incidents, she was given probation. In October of 2008, Dee Dee was introduced to Abraham through a mutual acquaintance who had told a story of a man she'd met who had won the lottery and given most of it away out of kindness. This acquaintance said that Abraham had really changed her view of the importance of money. This intrigued Dee Dee, however. She allegedly told the woman that she simply must be introduced to Abraham because she wanted to write an article or maybe a book about his generosity and kindness. Jeremiah, Abraham's second son, was born with his live-in girlfriend in November of 2008. By January of 2009, however, Dee Dee was Abraham's closest confidant and financial advisor. It happened pretty fast. She managed to wheel and deal her way into his life by promising to get those people to leave him alone about borrowing or taking money and to help him manage his wealth. She created an LLC for him. Abraham Shakespeare LLC, and then somehow pretty quickly she removed him as the signatory for the bank account associated with the LLC. On January 9th, the ownership of Abraham's home was transferred over to Dee Dee. Over the course of the year, everything Abraham owned was transferred over to Dee Dee Moore, including the $570,000 of debt owed to Abraham 
by family and friends. And by April of 2009, Abraham would never be seen again. It is believed that Abraham was killed in the first week of April, 2009. He was buried in the backyard of Dee Dee's boyfriend's house and then covered up by a random cement slab. And then for months, Dee Dee made up hundreds, if not thousands of lies to make it seem like Abraham was still alive. She first insisted that people communicate with Abraham only with text messages, not by talking. His friends and family would send text messages and then get well-crafted responses. Remember, Abraham could barely read or write and before this point, he'd never communicated via text message. He stopped visiting his children. Before, he wouldn't even let a week go by without calling Moses. Dee Dee claimed that Abraham had gone on a vacation to get away from all those people that were trying to take his money. She gave Abraham's cousin a card and also gave him $5,000 to give that card to Abraham's mother and to claim it was from Abraham. She offered Jeremiah's mother a $200,000 house if she would lie to the police and say that she had seen Abraham recently. The lies were elaborate, frequent, and full of contradictions. Still, his family, especially his mother Elizabeth, trusted Dee Dee. Dee Dee often took her out to eat and to go shopping. Dee Dee became Elizabeth's friend. And so it wasn't until seven months later in November of 2009 that the family finally filed a missing persons report. Remember Greg Smith? He was the owner of that barbershop that Abraham went to pretty often. Well, Greg was one of the people that Abraham had loaned money to, $65,000 worth. Apparently, Greg took that money reluctantly, but gratefully as he used it to save his mother's house. Well, Greg got tangled up in this mess because though he had been making his payments on time and sometimes more than what the payment was on time, he received a foreclosure letter in the mail. He insisted on talking to Abraham to get it straightened out. This tangled him with Dee Dee, who was really Abraham's mouthpiece at that point. Dee Dee managed to convince Greg to make two phone calls for her. First was a random phone call to a detective saying that he had seen Abraham in a club in Miami. And then Dee Dee took Elizabeth, Abraham's mother, out for lunch. And in the loud, crowded restaurant, Elizabeth got a phone call from someone who sounded a little bit like Abraham, but it was hard to hear. Greg was pretending to be Abraham himself. These calls netted him a couple of hundred dollars cash, but as you can imagine, they did eventually entangle him with the police who were at this point investigating the missing person that was Abraham Shakespeare. It was a fortunate turn of events for the investigation, however, because Greg agreed to work undercover for the police. And it was the recordings that he got while wearing a wire and his actions that led to the discovery of Abraham's body and led to the eventual arrest, charge, and conviction of Dee Dee Moore. Greg worked for months to gain Dee Dee's trust. And in January of 2010, when Dee Dee sensed that the police were closing in on her, asked if she knew, if Greg knew anyone who would claim to have murdered Abraham. Kind of a weird request, right? Well, 
Dee Dee said that the police were coming after her because they said she had murdered Abraham, but really Abraham had run away, but it would just be easier if someone claimed to have murdered Abraham so that the police would get off her back and Abraham could be left alone and blah, 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 and like a million lies and random people that she invented and lots of other things. But Greg said, yes, he did have someone that could do that. That someone turned out to be an undercover police officer who said he would do it, but only if Dee Dee told him where Abraham was buried. His claim was he couldn't actually do it without a body because then someone would actually might come after him for insurance fraud if Abraham turned up alive. Apparently Dee Dee bought the idea that he was okay with going away for murder, but not for insurance fraud, but whatever, details. She just tells them where the body is and gives them a gun that was used in the murder. Abraham Shakespeare was found under that concrete slab on January 27th, 2010, and was officially identified three days later. He had been shot twice. The cause of death was obviously identified as homicide. Abraham was laid to rest on February 6th, 2010, in Oak Hill Burial Park. A simple headstone reads, safe in the arms of Jesus. Moses was 12 years old, and Jeremiah, 15 months old. Moses actually spoke at the funeral, thanking people for coming and saying that he missed the good times. Naturally, Dee Dee was arrested and first charged with accessory after the fact, probably because she made up approximately 432,000 lies about what had happened, including that it was a drug deal that had gone bad, that she had shot Abraham in self-defense, and in the most depraved lie possible, that her son RJ had actually been the one to shoot Abraham. On February 19th, the charge was upgraded to first-degree murder. She pled not guilty and throughout the entire trial was prone to dramatic histrionic outbursts that annoyed everyone in the courtroom, including the judge. Dee Dee was easily convicted on December 10th, 2012. She was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, partially due to the generosity of Abraham's mother, Elizabeth. The state's attorney took the victim's wishes into consideration and Elizabeth Walker asked them to spare Dee Dee's life. Dee Dee is an inmate in prison in Hillsborough County, Florida. I wanna talk for a second about lotteries and lottery winners. First of all, just about the worst thing that a lottery winner can do is to go public about their winnings. And currently, state law in 39 states requires this to be done. One of these, one of these states is Florida. I'm fairly certain that if Abraham had been allowed to remain anonymous, he'd still be alive. That's the only reason Dee Dee was even involved in his life, because she knew he'd won the lottery. So why can't lottery winners remain anonymous? Well, first of all, lotteries need people to be public about their winnings because that shows transparency in the process and shows that there are actual winners for the lottery. Also, it helps if lottery winners are regular, everyday, average folks, because it shows that those types of people can win the lottery and that keeps people playing the lottery. These compelling stories keep people spending money they shouldn't on something that they are very, very, very unlikely to win. And let's be clear, winning the lottery, believe it or not, is not a ticket to a lifetime of happiness. According to the National Endowment for Financial Education, about 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt 
within a few years. If you're handed all that money all at once without any education about how to spend it or invest it wisely, you'll probably just spend it all or give it away like Abraham did. What about Dee Dee? I suppose it's possible that that car accident that Dee Dee was in did lead to an undetected brain injury. This is what her mother says. Personally, I think that that's something the doctors would have caught either right away or later on. Honestly, I think she was a lifetime manipulator who loved money and found an easy target with a lot of money in Abraham Shakespeare. I think anyone in Abraham's position going from $5 in your pocket to $11 million in your pocket is in an incredibly vulnerable position. He was being pulled in a million different directions by people he loved all the way to people he barely knew. I'm sure he was being targeted by scammers too. Combine that with the fact that Abraham could barely read or write, and he probably didn't have much financial literacy, and you've got a recipe for disaster. Abraham did need help in managing his money and in keeping people away from him. Didi was a lifetime scammer and a master manipulator, and in his time of need, Abraham found someone who had all the answers for him. The answers just all turned out to be lies that cost him his life. Dee Dee Moore is a disgusting human being who deserves to rot in prison. But I guess that's my opinion. So what do you think? Is there a circumstance where winning the lottery could have had a happy ending for Abraham Shakespeare? Do lottery organizations have an obligation to ensure that their winners are set up for success? What about the requirement that lottery winners go public? Do you agree with that? What about Dee Dee? Do you think she had some sort of undiagnosed brain injury or some other mental health disorder? After hearing all this, do you still wanna win the lottery? Do you think it would solve your problems? Or does more money equal more problems? In 2017, Antoinette Andrews, the mother of Moses, won a million dollars in a scratch-off ticket she bought at a Circle K. She is the mother to two teenage boys, and she told the news that she played the lottery every single day. She bought a house and a car, and hopes to lay low and keep the fortune as quiet as possible. I truly hope that it gives her and her family the happiness and the long life that eluded Abraham Shakespeare. Thanks for hanging out with me. Next week, we travel down the road of another family annihilator, but this time a son towards his parents and brother. It's also a remarkable story of forgiveness and a story that made Texas history. I won't give any more away. You'll just need to tune in next week. For that drink, actually, you're probably gonna need to do a little preparation. Like I said, it's a Texas case, so we're going to be doing a prickly pear margarita. I live in Texas and prickly pear syrup is difficult to find even here, so if you're making the drinks along with me, you're probably gonna wanna do some online shopping in the next couple of days so you're ready to go. Remember to leave a rating and a review if you haven't already. And while you're at it, head over to our social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram and the links are in the description box. I'll see you next week and remember, there are always alternatives to murder.